0: Well, they're still at it. Yes, really. Even now, as we're speaking, Major League Baseball's owners and players went at it overnight, deep into the night. And at 3.22 a.m., they finally sent out an announcement saying, basically, they're going to hang on until later this morning to resume their talks that appear, appear aimed at a conclusion. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins. Where you found this? What's in it for Pittsburgh? As I waited up like a lot of people did anticipating The conclusion coming because of the owner's self-imposed latest, somewhat serious, maybe not so serious deadline. That was the thing that I kept trying to determine. What will this mean here? What will it mean for the Pirates? What will it mean for fans coming to PNC Park? Yeah, I've made my feelings known, to say the least on baseball's need for a salary cap type system. Nothing of the kind is going to come out of this. In fact, nothing's really going to come out of this, or very little, where you could say, hey, this applies to the Pirates. This applies to concerns that people have, whether it's in Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or Milwaukee or wherever, that are markets like these, that'll make things better. Even the concept of an international draft, as opposed to the current Wild Wild West format that exists throughout Latin America, even that isn't something that really favors the Pirates. You might think that it would, because it would kind of even out Certain facets of how that functions, but Ben Charrington and others associated with the pirates are on the record as saying they prefer the system as it is because they feel, as all teams are going to do, that they've got an advantage with the current operation. We can dispute that, we can debate it, but that's how they feel about it. So, upon hearing This morning and deep into this morning that the number one subject matter wasn't for once the luxury tax or the competitive balance tax, but was instead the international draft and all of the countless complexities that come with it, which in parentheses here really is a weird thing to bring up at the very last hour. I delve deeper into that only to find out that the international draft, as it's proposed by the owners, wouldn't come with an order that's based on your one lost record. I'm not kidding. And the reason for that, of course, is that the Scott Boris-led Players Association continues to seek out ways to remove incentive for losing, as they describe it. Again, some of that's with merit. Tanking does exist. What Charrington and his staff have done under Bob Nutting and under Travis Williams undeniably was tanking and undeniably was part of what they're targeting. But the general process of just seeking out ways to punish teams that visibly have less revenue, far less revenue than others. I I just, I can't. I can't anymore. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. There was another element included in the discussions that went back and forth that actually made reference to teams that are, quote, large markets, and small markets. And this is the one, probably more than anything else, that set me off. Because even though Major League Baseball has previously acknowledged such differences, utilizing that terminology, to see it come up again, the first time was with revenue-sharing distribution, and This time it was the draft lottery, plain and simple. If you're a large market, you can only participate in the draft lottery one year before you're automatically dropped to the 10th pick. If you're a small market, you can participate in the draft lottery only two years in a row before you're automatically dropped to the 10th pick. It's basically um, anti-Orioles, and I guess to an extent anti-pirates type of legislation, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to keep teams from just living off the lottery. But to see the usage of that terminology and to see what it recognizes and just admits is obvious. And this is how it's going to be. We are completely okay with there being different classes of organizations, and we're not going to do anything, anything about it. That's, That's a little deflating. You know, on the same day that the NFL's Green Bay Packers, based in the smallest market in all of major professional sports, signed the most valuable player in football, to a contract that'll pay him $50 million a year. Referring to Aaron Rodgers, of course. On that same day that North America's most successful sports operation by a big, big margin flexes in the biggest, biggest way how equitable its system is the baseball people are still trying to find ways to preserve their haves and their half ons You can tell I'm really, really excited about this deal almost being done, right? You can tell. When we come back, just one question. Canyon Swartz, who asks, what is the first thing the Pirates will do after the lockout ends? Love the show. Listen to it every weekday. Thanks for that, Canyon. I appreciate it. The first thing the Pirates do after the lockout ends. How about I split this into a couple of categories? One is if they're smart, dot, dot, dot. Okay? And I'm talking about smart, not just in the baseball sense, but in the overall sense. If I'm the Pirates coming out of this lockout and this thing ends up stinking on ice the way it appears that it will for fans in Pittsburgh and in other similar markets. And there's a feeling of hopelessness or despair or whatever, or just to hell with these guys. I'm done with baseball, not just the Pirates. I'm done with baseball. If I'm the Pirates and I'm smart, the first thing I'd do is get a long-term deal done with Brian Reynolds, and I'd entertain one similarly with Kibrian Hayes. Does that reek of PR and whatever else? Sure, of course it does. Would it be transparent in that regard? Yeah. But would it also be the right thing to do from a baseball perspective? Sure. You know, coincidentally enough, all of those W's can be had in one fell swoop. You can get two foundational players signed for the long haul. You can do it right down there in Bradenton when they show up for the truncated spring training or whatever. Hold big press conferences. In fact, you know what? Do them on back-to-back days for maximum impact. So you don't you don't just have both of them at the same time and everyone gets one full day's news cycle out of it. You spread it out a little bit. You make it look like, wow, this is great. What are they going to do on a third day? I mean, of course, there won't be a third day. There isn't a third player that you do that with. But you can do it with these two. That's what I'd do. But then <laughs> they're not me. And I'm not them. So what they're actually going to do is they're going to scour the dregs of right-handed relievers to fill out the middle of the bullpen. They'll look for someone who could play first base. They'll probably get themselves a Wilmer Defoe or two so that Derek Shelton has a bench. And they'll probably find at least three or four more catchers who can't hit their own weight so that they can have, you know, five or six of those guys available over the course of the season. I'm sorry. I know this isn't what anybody wants to hear, but this is how it kind of feels right now. Not just with this team, but with this sport. I have allowed myself at times to think about what it would be like if baseball had the kind of economic system that the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA have. And what that day would be like, and the excitement that it would generate in Pittsburgh, at who the Pirates, (laughs) not just who they could sign, but who they'd have to sign. You know? What would be required spending on their part, and how before long nobody would even remember the name of the owner of the franchise. Bob Nutting would just fade right into the background. Yeah, there'd still be a gap, and he'd still be uh, accused of being cheap and everything because the Pirates would never be much higher than the salary floor, but at least they'd be over $100 million. At least they'd be up near where they were at their very peak of spending in 2013 to 16. At least they'd be competitive in that regard. And then this stuff happens, and this labor deal is going to come along, and it's going to be there for five full years, and the haves are only going to have more, and the have-nots are only going to have less, and you're not going to see anybody associated with the Pirates putting up any kind of fight against it, or really doing anything about it, in the baseball sense, I've spoken on this show how the first thing the Pirates ought to do financially coming out of this is commit to a $100 million payroll. That was put forth by the owners, a $100 million floor. Okay, that means you think everyone can get there, right? Right? There was no revenue sharing proposal that accompanied that. You think everyone can get there. Commit to a hundred million dollar payroll. Not in twenty twenty two, for twenty twenty three. Be realistic about it. A hundred million dollar payroll. Do that. Sign those two players, and maybe we can talk a little bit. Maybe there's a way around this. But at the moment, ah, whatever. We'll talk some more tomorrow.